You are listening to the Grace Church Podcast. To learn more about Grace, including our gathering times, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Chris Neal. How's everybody doing this morning? Good to see everybody. My name is Chris Neal. If I haven't met you, I'm the associate pastor here. Tommy, the lead pastor, is actually at his brother's Jeff's church this morning. And so, but I'm happy to be here with all of you. And I want to start out this morning like this. So how many people in here, you don't really have to raise your hands, but you hate waiting on things. We got a couple that want to raise their hands. That's fine. Like we hate waiting for water to boil. So we have these induction pots now and water boils in like two seconds. We hate like waiting for these lights to turn green, especially down here at the Big Red. That's why that thing's called the Big Red. It always gets me. <laughs> we hate waiting for our spouse to get ready. You don't have to raise your hand on that one. And some of you, I can tell, you, hate, you even hate waiting for church to start because we can't even get you in the door until somebody starts saying, no. Tommy told me to say that. I would never say that. <laughs> but most of the stuff that we wait on, that we don't like waiting on, really isn't that big a deal. Right? In the big scheme of life, if you get your chicken nuggets in six minutes or 16 minutes, it's probably not going to end the world, right? It's not going to be a big deal. But then there are some things in our life that are super important to us, and we're waiting on them. And there's some things in our life that, that we're waiting and believing. Like there are some people here today, and they're waiting and believing for God to move in their life. And, and the crazy thing is, is that you hear stories about how how God is moving in other people's lives, and then you get on social media, and you see all these hashtag blessed signs, and God is moving in everybody's life but mine. But you're trying, like you try to keep believing, and you try to keep hoping, and you try to keep believing that God has a great plan for your life, and that God really is in control of all of this. And all of us in this room here today have been somewhere in this scenario at one point or another. Maybe you're there right now. And sometimes when God doesn't answer like your prayers like you want him to, you ask questions like, where are you, God? Like, why don't you hear my prayers? We even say things like this, God, if you really loved me, you would answer this prayer the way I want you to. And I think a lot of us, we start thinking like that when God doesn't move and we get tired of waiting for God to move the way we think God should move in our life. But this morning, I want to challenge you to start thinking in these waiting seasons like this. With God, a waiting season is never a wasted season. So with God, a waiting season is never a wasted season. And this is the story that we see played out in John 11 this week. And for those of you that have been here throughout this entire series of John, I hope you're reading along. It's, it's not that much reading. and It's been really transformational for me and for my family and I believe for a lot of people in this church. But we have two sisters. And they're waiting. They're waiting for Jesus to come and heal their brother Lazarus. And this is a key story in the book of John. It's the seventh of the signs that John writes about to point to Jesus as the Messiah. And this is a big one, right? Bringing somebody back to life, pretty big. But this, this, 
This sign, this miracle, it puts a target on Jesus' back. And this ultimately becomes the catalyst for Jesus' arrest and then his crucifixion. And this is how the story starts. John 11, 1 through 4. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. That really, really narrows things down when, when you say the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory that, son, that God's son may be glorified. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Mary and Lazarus. So the first thing we see in this story that kind of appeal to our human condition is this, is that we see two sisters, they really care about their brother, and they want Jesus to come and heal them. We can all identify with that part of the story. Like we've had people in our life that are ill, and we're praying for them to get well, and we're hoping that Jesus will show up. And that's kind of our human perspective of the story. And then there's this divine aspect to the story that John kind of weaves through the entire book of John that we've been reading this far. And Jesus says, this sickness, it will not end in death. It is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified. And for us here this morning that have been here for, for several parts of this series, it should bring to mind this verse that we've read just about every week. Since we started this, John 20, 30 through 31, it said, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So for John, this story isn't just a miracle. And for John, this story isn't just about Jesus being healed. This story is about a sign that's going to point others to Jesus as being the Messiah. And it's important to remember this this morning. Like Jesus did not cause Lazarus to get sick. But Jesus is going to use this moment to show people his glory. And so I think if we look at this story through this lens of everything that we've talked about, and we see that, that Jesus is the center point and the focal point of this story... Maybe it'll help us see what's going on a little better. Because when we look at things from our human perspective, we want to know why, and we want to know when, and we want to know where. Like, why does all this have to happen, God? When, when's this even going to matter? Why doesn't this make sense to me? But when we look at it from a divine perspective, we can trust that God is faithful in all things. And now I want to challenge you to put yourself in Mary and Martha's sandals for just a moment. Because they're there, right? And they've seen Jesus actually heal other people. And they've heard stories about how Jesus is going around and he's healing other people. But they are waiting. Like they are waiting for Jesus to come and heal their brother Lazarus. And they're believing. Like they believe that Jesus loves Lazarus. They believe that Jesus loves them. But they're waiting. And then all of a sudden, one day goes by. And then guess what? Another day goes by. And they're waiting. They're waiting for Jesus. Is it still up there? Mm -hmm. 
Does anybody remember that story? And they're waiting, like they're waiting for Jesus to come by. Oh, there we go. Thank you. Thank you very much. But they're waiting for Jesus, right? They're waiting for Jesus. And then another day goes by. And I don't know about you, but when you're like waiting on God to do something in your life, you start reminding God all the reasons that he should help you, right? And God, I'm a good person, even though I'm a little sweaty. Like, come on, God. Like, I'm a good person. God, I pray to you every day. Like, God, I pray to you. And some of these people, they don't, they don't do that as much as me, God. Right? God, I listen to Caleb. I listen to Caleb every day, even through the marathon fundraisers. God, never turn it. I'll probably turn it. God, I read devotionals. I do devotionals. Come on, God. I'm a good person. And then I got one more that most of you guys don't have. I can say, God, I'm a pastor. I deserve this, God. Amen, Amen Billy. <laughs> and some of you people here, they're in this position, right? You're in this position. Just like Mary and Martha are, you're in this position. Just like I've been at many times in my life. And you want to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And you believe that Jesus has the power. Like, and you've seen this power in other people's lives. But you've yet to see it in your life in a specific way. And you're left waiting. And when you're waiting like that, sometimes you can really start to question, like, what's your motivation in all this, God? Like, what's the point of all this? You can even start to question his divine purposes in your life. You might even start to question your relationship with God. But let's look at God's motivation in this particular story. John 11, 5 through 7. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick... He stayed where he was two more days, and then he said to his disciples, now let us go back to, the Gia, to Judea. So Jesus loved this family, and he loved Mary, and he loved Martha. Like, he loved this family, and it is because of his love for them that he made them wait. That's hard for us to understand sometimes. We see, though, in this moment, it's his love for them then he's going to use this moment for something greater than they could have ever imagined, a divine purpose. And so Lazarus is there, and he's fighting for his life, and then the man that Jesus loves has to experience death. And the family that Jesus loves, they have to experience death. And now Lazarus has been dead for four days, and this is where we pick up the story. John 11. 20 through 22. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know even now that God will do whatever you ask him to do. So just see the passion and the pain in this moment. And Martha, she is running out to Jesus, right? And she's crying and she's probably a little bit out of breath. And she's like, Lord. And she probably feels a little bit abandoned by Jesus. She's got to be frustrated by all this because she knows the power of the Messiah. Lord. And there's so much beauty and honesty in this moment. 
because you can come to God with whatever emotion you have. And she says, Lord, if you had been here, like my brother would not have died. But she still has faith that Jesus can heal him. She still has faith that Jesus can do what he says he can do. And, but she's waiting. She's waiting for Jesus to move in her life in a specific way. And this is where some of us are living right now, isn't it? Like we're waiting. We're waiting on Jesus and we have these things in our life that bring us pain and sorrow and, and more questions and hurt. And we're waiting and we lose loved ones too soon and we're not sure like why that matters. Like what is going on, God? And we're waiting. Or for some of us here, it's a different kind of loss. And we're trying to get out of debt, and we, we're going to start tithing, and we're going to start giving, and we're going to start saving money. But guess what? The bills, they just keep piling up. Or maybe it's a marriage, and you've been trying to do all the right things, and, you, and you've been working, and you're going to counseling. But, man, it just, it's not going the way you want it to go. Or maybe some of you are here today, and you're just praying for a miracle. Like you're praying for a miracle, but the miracle that you need, it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen. And in these moments, like, we try and hold on to our faith. We're fighting to hold on to our faith. We're fighting to believe that, that God has a plan. But the miracle that we need just seems further and further away. And this is where Martha and Mary are at right now. But Martha's trying to hold on to whatever faith she has left. And she says the thing that most of us in here at one point or another have said she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And this is our human response. This is our human desire to see Jesus move the way we want him to move, to see God do the miracles that we need God to do when we need God to do them, right? But if God always met our expectations, he would never have the opportunity to exceed them. If God always met like our human expectations, he would never have the opportunity to move in a divine way in our lives, something greater than we can ever ask for, hope, or imagine. And now it's been four days, and Lazarus has been dead for four days. And you know why Jesus waits four days? Because in that culture at that time, there was a belief that the spirit hovered around the body, and that within three days, like, it could just come back into the body, and the, and the body could just come back to life. And so Jesus, he waits. He waits until all human logic is gone, and he waits until all hope is lost, because he's about ready to, he's about ready to do something divine. Something amazing. He's about ready to move in a divine way. And what Jesus says next is really one of the most beautiful passages in the Bible. And it's really challenging, too. And it's John eleven twenty five. 25. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Leave that up there for just a second. I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus is like, I'm not here to give you a verse, Martha. I'm not here to give you some kind of, of sermon, Martha. I'm not here to give you some kind of lesson on theology. Like, I'm here to give you myself. I'm here because I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus is saying, all of us right now 
are looking at the embodiment of the resurrection and the life of everything that we could ever ask or hope for. And he goes on to say, Jesus said, there I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then he goes on to say this. He says, do you believe this? And in this moment, like Martha, she has questions that all of us here have this question. And all of us at this time, at one point or another in our lives, we have to answer this question. Do you believe this? That Jesus is the resurrection and that Jesus is the life. Do you believe this? And sometimes, like in times of crisis, this question gets harder and harder to, to really wrestle to the ground. And with all the faith that Martha has left, she says this in verse 27. She said, yes, Lord, she replied, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And in this moment, like Martha, she's confused. And she's hurting. But she's using all the faith that she has left. And she says, I believe that Jesus is who he says he is. She acknowledges what John is challenging all of us to acknowledge. That Jesus is the Messiah. That Jesus is the Son of God. And so Martha, she learns what all of us have to learn at some point in our life. Like, I don't have to understand all of this completely in order to start believing in something right now. Like, I don't have to understand everything to start believing right now, to start believing that Jesus is the resurrection and that Jesus is the life. Like, you can start somewhere right now. And so after this exchange, like Martha, she runs back to the house and she gets Mary and she tells Mary that Jesus is on the outside of town. And this is where we pick up the story. It says, when Mary heard and went to him, now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was, was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. She said, Lord, come and see. And so in this moment, Jesus is following them to the tomb where Lazarus is laid. And this moment is so beautiful to me because Jesus knows what he's about ready to do. Like he's about ready to raise Lazarus from the dead. He's about ready to change this morning into dancing. Like he's about ready to change all these tears into shouts of joy as people cannot believe what they're about to see. But in this, mo in this emotion and in this heartbreak, like Jesus stops and he enters into this moment. And in this moment, we see like a glimpse of divine empathy. John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. And this is like an extraordinary moment where Jesus just stops and he enters into the sadness of the moment where he's like moved to this divine compassion for the people 
that he loves. And so if you're here and you're sad or lonely and, and you're left fighting and you're hurting and you're trying, I want you to know that Jesus is right there with you in this moment. You are not alone. Jesus is with you because he loves you. Jesus is with you because he wants you to experience resurrection and life right now, today. And then Jesus, he says, roll that stone away. And they're like, hold up. Wait a minute, Jesus. Like, by now he stinketh. That's what the King James says. That's when it really stinks bad. That's worse than the shared in the locker room after a hard practice. It's bad. And this isn't in the text, but I can guarantee you this. That everybody there, or most everybody, took a giant step backwards when he's like, roll that stone away. And they're like, I don't want any part of this. And they roll the stone away, and this is where they pick, and this is where we pick up the story in 11:42 through 44. So they took the stone away, and then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus, was, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Man, and John, when he writes this, he almost slows down and he gets like in this super like detailed, super vivid moment where you can almost see the people running up to Jesus or running up to Lazarus and touching him, like touching the hem of it, just touching his clothes. Are you real? Is this real? And John records this so that we might believe this is a sign that shows us that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, that he is the son of God and that he's sent by God. And so maybe you're here today, I guess. Yes, Chris. I would believe this too if I had been there and I get to touch Lazarus. Like, sure, I would believe this, right? Like, if I saw a dead man raise alive, Chris, I'm in. I'm all the way in if I get to see this. But what if I told you, like, we have seen dead people raised to life right here at Grace Church? Like, what if I told you I had seen it with my own eyes? Because, man, I've been here a minute now, and I've seen people that I thought, these people are never going to stop drinking. Like, these people are never going to beat this addiction or this comparison addiction or this addiction to money or porn or whatever it is. These people are never going to make it. Or maybe these people are just super apathetic about their faith, and they're just kind of going through the motions. Now, I don't know if these people can beat this. And the world says, roll that stone over their grave. The world says these people are dead. And like I've seen people with addictions, and I didn't know what was going to happen. And then these people, like they start to cry out to God. They start to cry out to Jesus. They start to reach out to others for help and hope. Like they start to lean into Jesus and lean on Jesus in ways they had never done before. And Jesus says, roll that stone back. Take off those grave clothes of addiction. Like I've seen it. And it makes me believe that Jesus is the Messiah even more. It makes me believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life even more because I've seen. I've seen marriages. Like Katie and I, we've talked to people. Nobody in here. But we've talked to people. And we're like, I don't know. If God doesn't do something, if something doesn't happen, like I'm not sure what's going to happen in this marriage. 
And then these people, they start to cry out to Jesus. They start to reach out to, to us and to others for hope and help. And they start to lean into Jesus in a way they had never done before. And they start to pray together. And Jesus says, roll that stone back. Jesus says, take off those grave clothes of, compa of complacency and hatred and anger and distrust. Like we've seen it. We see these people, now they're leading groups and they're showing other people the way to Jesus. They are a sign. They have become a sign to all those around them that points to Jesus. And that's the message for today. It really is. John eleven forty five. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did. This is funny. They believed, right? Yeah, you're like, I believe now. I'm in. And John wants us to believe this. And John isn't asking us to have blind faith. John is asking us to examine the miracles. John is acting, asking us to examine the evidence, to examine the signs. But he is challenging us to believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. So just look around. Look at all the stones that have been rolled away right here in this church. Look around. I see them everywhere I look. And if you're here today and you're still waiting on your miracle and you're still waiting for Jesus to move in your life in a specific way, I'm here to tell you, don't give up. Don't lose hope. Jesus loves you. His motivation is love. His motivation has always been love. It will always be love. John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this. To lay down one's, one's life for one's friends. And this is what Jesus did. He did it for you and 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 for me. This is what he did. He laid down his life so that we might believe. He laid down his life to set us free from sin and death that this world tries to hold over us. He laid down his life so that we could experience resurrection and life right here in this moment. If you are encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. And again, thanks for listening to the Grace Church Podcast.